Hello, welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Graham Wilson. Helping people can take a lot of skill, experience and dedication. And the love of helping people drove Peter Mullen to take up naturopathy more than 25 years ago. Peter Mullen is now one of Australia's leading naturopaths and has helped thousands of people achieve their health goals. Welcome, Peter. Hello, Graham. All those years ago, Peter, can you remember what it was that you thought you could contribute to or what was the need that you saw that you could fill? Um, probably for me, like um, my, my, I grew up in a family where we were very health orientated. Um, from a dietary point of view, we always took vitamin and mineral supplements just to supplement you know, what was lacking in the diet. Um, we were always a family that exercised a lot as well. And I remember when I was finishing high school, I was a little bit stuck with where I was going to go. But thinking about it now, in hindsight, I really love working with people. I think that's been my passion with naturopathy is the relationships that I build with my patients. And um, I think that's what really got me into it is is a real um, passion or curiosity for trying to work out how people tick, you know, how they get to the point of making decisions. So I think it was, it was, it was my love of, of people and relationship building really that got me into naturopathy in the first place. So you could have gone to psychology, for instance, or uh, medicine, medicine anything. Yes. But so you were interested in health. What particular part of health made you target naturopathy as a specialty? Um, probably more around um, diet. You know, I was really interested in diet and foods. And, you know, we were sort of coming out of a time where um, when I was a kid, you know, there, there was a lot more processed foods starting to appear in the diet. And, you know, my mum always cooked everything from scratch. You know, Tuesdays was her baking day. So probably for me, the, the start was interest around food and what was the, the best way for us all to be or best way for me to be eating. So, and I, I thought I'd get more of that going down the path of naturopathy than I would going down, say, a more orthodox route. Mm -hmm. Did you have any, did you know what naturopathy was? I mean, did you have a hero that you thought? No, no, I really okay. didn't. Well, I really didn't. Um, at the time, um, I'd been to see a couple of naturopaths myself over the years. And that was probably my first experience of seeing someone that was, you know, more alternative minded. So, yeah, so I really didn't have much more of a concept than that. Jumped in boots and all and, you know, 27 years further on, you know, best decision I ever made. Cool. So now let's uh, find out what naturopathy is. What's the broad definition? Um, so naturopathy is, is basically a natural approach to health and healing, um, recognizing the integrity of the whole person. So from a naturopathic point of view, you know, we sort of look at the body as not just being a physical body, but the emotional component, the mental component, and also the spiritual and perhaps energetic component as well. Um, so we look at the person as a whole. We practice or come from the concept that, you know, we really want to try and treat the cause, not just the symptoms. And a big part of our philosophy, and this is probably what differentiates naturopathy from other schools of medicine, is our philosophy. A big part of our philosophy is the belief that the body really does have its own healing ability or an innate, an innate natural healing ability or the body's always working to try and bring us back into balance. So naturopaths work with that natural healing ability. So we might work with that natural healing ability by looking at what things that person might be doing in their lifestyle that's going to interfere with that. So it might be, you know, they're drinking too much coffee, they're having too much alcohol. So it's making changes from a dietary point of view particularly, but also those other areas, emotional, mental, spiritual, lifestyle, exercise, we're trying to really encourage the body's own natural healing ability. So 
um, treat the person as a whole, encourage the body's own natural healing ability. Um, we sort of see our role as being a coach with patients as well, you know, that it's a partnership. A lot of the healing takes place when you're in a good relationship with your practitioner. Mm. You know, you've got someone there supporting you, you know, having your back and that can make the right recommendations for changes. So summing all of that up, that's that's probably the big difference is in the philosophy behind naturopathy and how we approach each person as an individual. We'll come back to some of those things because that's very interesting how we can bring in those principles to our health. And it seems only reasonable that the body in its natural state is going to be healthy and we do things to to take it Interfere away. Interfere so, with that. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're about identifying those things and saying, well, hang on, cut that out or let's supplement that and you're back to natural health again. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's the theory. But, but the interesting thing is how, you know, it's not just a physical approach because, you know, emotional triggers and mental triggers and stress can be one of the interferers to the body working properly. Okay. You know, lack of, lack of purpose, lack of a concept of where you're headed can be an interference to why someone's body's not working as it should. Hmm. So There's psychology in there too. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Take us back. Do, do you know much of the history of naturopathy, where it all began? Uh, yeah, yeah. So naturopathy sort of, um, the term naturopathy sort of appeared in the late 18, 1800s. And interesting, at the time, it was a group of, of mainstream doctors. It was sort of known as the heroic age of medicine. So the treatments and the approaches from the orthodox medical school coming through were quite heroic. You know, they were drastic measures. They used um, things like opium to treat, you know, baby with te- babies with teething issues. They recommended cocaine to, you know, so there was, so it was a quite heroic era of medicine. There was, and tobacco, there was a, for, tobacco for for chest problems. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so that's where modern medicine sort of come from, some, some quite, um, you know, what would seem today outlandish approaches to helping people with their health. So it was around that time that a group of practitioners – in Europe, I think, sort of got together and decided, well, hang on a minute, this isn't really what medicine is all about. This is getting away from some really basic principles of how the body actually works to heal itself. And they actually took a lot of information back from Hippocrates back in the early Greek days. And that's where, so they started to practice a lot of the principles that were around in those early Hippocrates days, you know, where food is thy medicine, the body can heal itself, you know, practices such as fasting, hydrotherapy. Um, so a lot of those early methods were based on those original nature cure type approaches. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of revisited and relabeled in the in the West Western sense of our version of what possibly had been going on in the East in Eastern medicine in India and Asia for thousands of years already anyway. So it was yeah, it was sort of coming together from from, from those ancient principles. All right. And to become a naturopath, is there a standard course in Australia you have to do? It's changed a lot over the years. When I first started in practice, um, I went to a college in Sydney called the New South Wales College of Natural Therapies. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was a private college. You had to pay for the education. Mm -hmm. fully. It was fully funded by the student. So I was fortunate enough that my parents could pay at the time. And that college is now gone defunct. But since then, there's... um, there's no real university course that, that offers a, a degree in naturopathy, but there's quite a few unis now are doing a Bachelor of Applied Science with a diploma in, in naturopathic yeah. studies. Um, there's a few online courses as well doing the same, but it, it's, it's, it's 
kind of great. Like naturopathy is really starting to come more into its fore as as a, a, a professional, or as as a profession. And um, yeah, the education is really starting to reflect that, and the acceptance by some of the bigger bigger university groups is starting to reflect that now as well. So, and is there a national or international body that oversees the school of naturopathy? Yeah, or, look, it's or the an, that's, it is a, that's an interesting debate um, or debacle because in Australia, naturopaths aren't under a, a single registration board, so chiropractors are registered acupuncturists are registered, doctors obviously are registered. The higher the risk associated with the profession, the higher the insurance premiums have to be paid and the more likely those associations are to be actually registered under a central body. Naturopathy is classed as low risk because of the minimal amount of um, damage or harm that's come to people by following naturopathic principles. Um, Our insurance premiums are really minimal compared to we're in the hundreds compared to the thousands for these other professions so for the government to take on board to register us as a profession would cost a lot of money from the government's point of view so we're sort of at a bit of a standstill a lot of us naturopaths would prefer that where we actually we see registration as being the next step of our acceptance into the like that would be a big acceptance into the whole medical community in australia so there's lots of political and um uh, different schools of thought as whether that should really happen. So, at the moment, what in Australia, what happens is we are uh, we have a number of associations. Now, we all have to be a member. All qualified naturopaths have to be a member of a registered, not a registration, but as a registered association, and that allows us access to things like health fund rebates. So, if you're going to see a naturopath, if you can claim back with them from a health fund. That's one of the one of the things you'll notice that they are a, a properly they're they're registered with a with a um, one of the correct associations. Yes. So you, you you if you're with a health company, you can get uh, a rebate. For health fund rebates. Health yes. fund rebate. Yeah. Your appointment times appear to be longer than most doctors' times would be. Right, ten or fifteen minutes you'd see a doctor for. A naturopath sees a patient for a longer period of time. Am I right? Yes. With us, with seeing a naturopath, most naturopaths, um, the initial consultation is an hour. And, you know, in that we do a full case history. Um, one of the things I love to use in practice is iridology, which is, a, which is not a diagnosis, but it's a good overview of strengths and weaknesses. And that's a great way of just determining some traits that a person may have, particular weaker or stronger areas. Um, and, you know, it's getting to, getting to in that first, first consultation, really develop a relationship or start to understand more the areas of that person's life that actually may be contributing positive to their health outcomes or actually detracting from their health outcomes. So, yeah, our initial consults are an hour and then follow-on consults with us personally and most naturopaths is around the 30-minute mark. Mm -hmm. What tests are in your arsenal, so to speak? Yeah, well, we we sort of... We've got a a range of tests that we can can have access to. Um, In my practice specifically, we use live blood or hemoview um, we also do a dry blood test, which looks at oxidative stress. Um, we do blood tests looking at the degree of oxidation in the body. Um, we have access to a wide range of what are called functional pathology tests as well. So we can recommend people to have salivary cortisol profiles done, which looks at what's going on with your cortisol levels during the day, which is one of the things we look at if someone's um, been under a lot of stress for a long period of time. We can 
organise or refer for um, functional liver detoxification profiles where over a 24-hour period we can actually see how well a person's liver's detoxing different chemicals like caffeine and panadol and how all those pathways are working. Um, we can One of my favourite tests to do because there's so much... Um, research happening happening around microbiome and good gut health we can do a stool test with someone to determine what their balance or number one how well their digestive system is actually functioning because you know digestive issues is a massive area that i see almost with every patient that comes in so it gives us an idea of how well their digestive systems actually breaking down the food that they're choosing to eat and also particularly of interest to me looks at the balance of bacteria the good the bad and the ugly in the gut that you know would again really be contributing to that person's whole health so yeah so we've got some great tests up our sleeve and you know a big part of of i think a naturopathics or a naturopath's point of view is rather than just treat at that surface level like oftentimes when you see a gp it is more symptomatic relief like you know if you go in with a headache you're going to get a headache tablet if you go in with um so a good example is i saw a child just recently and they were diagnosed as having stomach migraines which is kind of an unusual diagnosis from a a medical point of view Mm. um in that you know it's kind of not something that they can actually prove or do a blood test for like it's based on their symptom picture and um, this child was prescribed an antihistamine but through dietary change and you know using some magnesium we were able to resolve the the digestive issues so they don't have a stomach migraine and they that child may well have been on that medication for two or three years a stomach <coughs> migraine so um, you think of migraines yes. in your head right yes yes so they had headaches from something in their stomach is that what it is uh no it's actually it's, it's a stomach migraine is um it's a symptom of gut ache and gut pain oh, okay that comes on for what's seen as no real reason so rather than the migraine so it's a concept rather than migraine happening in the head, it happens in, actually in their stomach. So they had a stomach pain for years and yeah, on and off, and yeah. for no real. And because again, looking at things differently, we sort of um, we test quite a few of our patients for food intolerances. Now, food intolerances are different to food allergy. You know, you can go to the doctor and get tested for allergies, but there's probably people are less allergic than what they are intolerant. Um, the medical profession still don't put a lot of faith in these IgG food intolerance testing, but often we find people are really intolerant to things like gluten, dairy, you know, sometimes eggs. So for this child, we did a food intolerance test, took them off gluten, dairy, and eggs, and their tummy pain stopped. Wow! And put them on some mag, some, mag, some magnesium as well, which is what I do with anyone that gets migraines anyway. Um, and so rather than this child then have to just be taking a, a tablet, an antihistamine tablet for maybe the next two or three years, you know, by changing the dietary, the dietary input, getting on some magnesium, the child now knows and the parent now knows what foods really to be avoiding mm. and um, basically it's fixed the problem. So sometimes it's not just going with what seems obvious and on the surface, it's digging a little bit deeper to find out the... You know, I always sort of think of it in terms of what the original insult, injury, or trauma was. That you know, and 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 gut stuff's interesting because a lot of people, you know, can eat the same food for a long period of time, and then they can go through a stressful period. They can have a really bad. They can go to Bali, get come back with Bali belly, have a really bad gut upset, and then all of a sudden they start to react to all sorts of things. 
And they'll often come into the practice and say, well, it can't be my diet because I've always eaten that and eaten that. But it was kind of, you know, for a long time, people can have a low-grade irritation happening in their body and they're not really aware of it until they reach critical mass. And then all of a sudden, everything seems to be an issue. So... You're a bit of a detective then, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Super sleuth of the body. Abs- absolutely. And, you know, the body always gives us clues. So, And that's a big part of why we do the longer consultations is you really need to sort of... Because sometimes I might see a person for three or four times and it might be only the fourth or fifth visit that we start to talk about what's going on in their primary relationship. Mm. You know, and that's where I might refer to see a psychologist or... You know, we may do some just discussion or talking around that point. But, you know, I find um, a big part of helping people is not only working out what's wrong, but it's working out who to then refer them to or what the next step is for them from an investigative point of view. Mm -hmm. So um, I get some quite complex cases where people will come in and they're seeing multiple specialists and on multiple medications. And in some respects, because all of those different modalities can be quite isolated or they're all specialists in their own one area often there's not someone that's helping them to coordinate the bigger picture so sometimes that's part of it as well you're listening to well-being i'm talking to peter mullen one of australia's leading naturopaths peter what are the most common conditions that people will walk through your door for um well look we we often you know we'll have this discussion between myself and the other pracs but and we're talking with other practitioners from other practices around australia recently as well the most common thing that people come in for would be fatigue, followed closely by digestive issues, you know, irritable bowel type stuff, bloating, etc. Um, after that, you know, always things uh, around weight. And again, you know, weight's a great example of it not just being about what you're eating, it's about your hormones and your mental and emotional well being as well. So, fatigue, gut issues, weight. Um, and then we get on to the next next thing would be things like um, stress, anxiety, and depression. Mm-hmm. So mental health after those three. And again, they're all connected. Um, we were having a discussion today in, in, in my close circle of friends. There's four people now that I can sort of, you know, rattle off who've actually been, who actually have a diagnosed thyroid problem. So we know thyroid and thyroid issues are really, it's a, it's a massive epidemic. So it only just struck me recently that there's four people in my close circle of friends that all have thyroid issues. So that's how common mm. thyroid, pro- and they're all on thyroid medication, whether it's natural or mm. synthetic. So autoimmune is massively on the increase. So autoimmune is things like your autoimmune thyroid conditions, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, lupus, you know, all of those conditions really increasing. And then probably a big part of the practice and area I particularly love to work with is um, with kids and kids' health. So, you know, allergies are all on the increase, um, including, you know, nut allergies, egg-free, you know, all of the schools these days, like kids' health changing a lot. Um, but particularly, you know, eczema, asthma, sinus and hay fever, you know, kids recurring where kids are getting sick all the time and on multiple courses of antibiotics. And then it's the the mental and the emotional stuff or the behavioural stuff. It's the you know autism and ADD and HDD and anxiety and depression in kids as well. So, is there a common thread through all of those conditions that, uh, or that you have to treat them all specifically? Yeah, look, it's kind of we're we're very fortunate in our approach from a naturopathic point of view because 
in our practice particularly, but across the board, we all focus initially on diet and food because there's this massive connection between gut and gut health and particularly the balance of bacteria that you know more and more research suggests. And one of the, the most researched areas in natural medicine these days is to do with this microbiome. Mm. Um, you know, and so, so for us naturopaths, we always start with the gut we start with the balance of good and bad bacteria and we start with the diet. Because 60 to 70% of your immune system is based in the lymphatic tissue that surrounds the gut and the bowel, anything you can do to calm down those digestive symptoms, calm down that gut, it's going to turn down the immune system elsewhere in the body. I had a patient this morning with um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis and um, her antibody count has gone from 1,300 down to 75 and I said, what do you think? Which is phenomenal because Hashimoto's is quite difficult to treat and it's quite difficult to get those antibody levels down. So the antibodies are immune complexes produced by that person's immune system to attack their thyroid. And that's what causes the symptoms of underfunctioning thyroid. So to be able to turn that off or turn that down means that that person's immune system is no longer attacking that tissue so the underfunctioning thyroid uh, results in lethargy tiredness um, lethargy tiredness weight gain feeling the cold more brain fog is a massive symptom of underactive thyroid brain fog is the other word we're hearing a lot of these days just segueing and also fatty liver Mm. which we can talk about later Um, so I said to um, this patient this morning what do you think has been the biggest thing that's contributed to your antibody count dropping for her, and again, everyone's got an individual story, is being strictly strictly gluten-free right. and low to no grains. So in her picture, she feels that's what's contributed mostly to that antibody. So again, it comes back to the, the potential damage caused by gluten to the gut wall and, and keeping her immune system revved up. So back to your question. Sorry, I've rambled on a bit there. But <laughs> that's good. You know, with, with all of those conditions that I listed before, the common things that we would see... Um, we're fortunate in that you know getting the gut health right first, getting the diet right for that person, will it might not totally fix the issue because there's often other layers to it as well, but it will clear the symptom picture enough that then you can start to see what else you're looking at. Getting it right for each person, is each person individual? One person can eat gluten and another can't? Or are we all common in some way? Yeah, look, there's there's been some... Good shows on on some of the the investigative sort of stations or investigative um, shows lately looking at gluten. And um, the theory is that that our wheat in Australia may have a higher gluten content than, say, wheat that's overseas. Um, There's a a world-leading expert called, I think his name's Alessandro Fabrizzi, and um, he believes that gluten irritates everybody's gut to a certain degree. And it's a matter of, how much you have and how susceptible you are to it. And to keep in mind, we're talking about intolerance, not allergy and definitely not celiac. That's a different kettle of fish altogether. But okay. yeah, he believes that gluten probably irritates everyone's gut. Is it something to do with the, the amount of processing that it goes through to in, in our modern food? I mean, if we're eating the whole wheat kernel, yes, um, that's a different kettle of fish, to mix my metaphors. <laughs> um, look, it, it's not... It's it's an area that that um you know is still undergoing quite a bit of research. But um, one article I read recently was saying that that uh, that wheat we use in Australia when we genetically modify wheat, 
the idea of genetically modifying, one of the ideas behind genetically modifying, say, wheat, is to make it more pest resistant. So the theory is that in making it more pest resistant, we've got a higher number of um, chemicals like lectins. Um, it may affect the gluten content, but the, the wheat we're eating grown in Australia may actually be a lot more, a lot harder rather for us to digest and may cause more irritation. So, yeah, it doesn't make a difference, I don't think, whether you have the whole grain or the, or the processed product. I think if you've got an issue, you'll have an issue. Now, you said you wanted to mention brain fog, but we don't really have much more time. And I did want to – we'll have to have you back, Peter. But uh, um, naturopathy, I wanted to touch on this. It has its detractors, of course, from those who say it's not evidence-based to those who will say things like, oh, it's just quackery. How, how do you respond to that? Oh, look, it, it, I always think, um, you know, naturopathy to me is, is very common sense medicine. Um, it's going back to the basics of health, you know, drinking your water, um, eating the foods that seem to agree with your body. Um, there's a lot more. So I think saying outright it's crack, crackery, I think people that say make comments like that, they're happy to have a, a very generalized comment about a whole area that they probably know nothing about, um, in my opinion. Um, saying it's not evidence-based, there's a, a large area or a lot of naturopathic um, principle and approaches that that are still based on empirical knowledge you know on a history of use over a long-term period but what we're seeing is this massive growth in things being well researched so turmeric is a great example of this you know turmeric is 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 one of the highest selling natural medicines in australia a lot of research behind it and more and more coming through Um, magnesium there's been some fantastic stuff from and this is university-based research around in South Australia on magnesium and um, brain injury, and increase in things like um, um, what's called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. So that magnesium actually helps to improve the plasticity of the brain. Um, so there's and fish oil and cardiovascular disease. Um, there was a study recently saying that it had no effect, but when you look at the meta-analysis, there is actually quite a significant effect. So there's a lot. It, it's kind of interesting that it's. You can't lump it under the one umbrella, but there's a lot more interest. And the microbiome is a classic example of the the amount of research being done around gut flora, which I sort of claim is more of a naturopathic concept. I'll take claim to that from our professional point of view, importance of gut health. So I think people need to look at the bigger picture rather than just you know zero in on. Just a tip for somebody looking for a naturopath. How do you know you've found one that's um, going to do the best for you? Look, it's, it's the same as seeing any professional, same as seeing anyone, basically. Word of mouth is your best referral. So um, we had, we've had, I had a lady in recently, she heard about us because she put a question, social media, she put a question to her Facebook group, who, who, who's been to see a great naturopath, who would you recommend? And fortunately, our, our, our name came up in her um, group of friends. So I would always go with a word of mouth referral. If... Um, someone's in an area and they don't have a word-of-mouth referral, I'm more than happy to... I've, I know quite a few practitioners around Australia. I'm more than happy to fill calls if people want to find a good prac in their area. Um, but I would always go word-of-mouth first. The other place that you could try is um, um, one of the associations. 
Okay. Thanks, Peter. We're out of time. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, I'd particularly like to talk about brain fog next time. Perhaps we shouldn't leave it too long. Thanks, Graham. Uh, okay. Peter Mullen, one of Australia's leading naturopaths, and he's a practitioner in Newcastle at Mullen Natural Health Centre. Thanks for listening. I'm Graham Wilson, and all of us at Wellbeing wish you well.